Welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the Blue and and White White Brothers. Brothers. Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Blue and White Brothers. Uh, If you're still listening, you haven't jumped off a bridge yet after that terrible game at Indiana. (laughs) Uh, Actually, you know, we haven't jumped off the bridge giving this podcast to the listeners. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, look, today we are going to do it. We're going to look full bore into the eyes of the beast uh, that that Indiana game. We're going to do a recap. Uh, We're also going to try our best to look ahead uh, to Ohio State, see what we uh, might see for that. Uh, But before we jump into that, Tom, I just got to ask, how are you doing? Well, um, I think we How had, are you, uh, I'm, I've been better. I've also been worse though, as well. I I've, I've experienced worse losses. Let's put it that way in the moment. Um, it was very difficult. I, I kind of wrote off football for the rest of the night. I, I, I was actually all tuned up and ready to, you know, watch the Michigan Minnesota game after a nice Indiana victory. But you know, when your soul gets crushed like that. And and to remind everybody, this is a fan generated podcast. We we are not analysts who are trying to play both sides of the coin. We're fans of Penn State football. So we're going to tell you how we felt about watching our team get, you know, practically humiliated in some respects. You know, again, I've seen worse losses, but this is Indiana. Like, I understand they're improved, but we lost to a team we've only lost to one time in forty-one other tri- or forty-two tries. So and let's be clear: they, as well as they played, did not beat us. We beat ourselves. I mean, they pulled and off that was... the play- yes, they pulled off the plays that they needed to to then beat what we showed as glaring deficiencies and multiple times, you know, you know, tripping over our own feet and you know, kicking ourselves, basically half the, we were playing with at least one arm tie behind our back in this game. Um, I, we're, we'll get it. We're going to get into that. Um, but yeah, you know. so for me, uh, the, my experience of the game is best, um, illustrated by the fact that I started and I've never done this before. I started though with a clipboard and a pencil in hand. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like eagerly like writing notes. So I'd have things to talk about. And like, especially after that first drive, it went, you know, plottingly slow, but still ended in in success in in that regard. And, you know, the next couple drives and I'm like, you know, they didn't, they didn't go the way exactly you wanted, but you know, probably through the first quarter is sort of like, you know, okay. Okay. And like the further the game went along, I just like, I guess that worse notes because like, worse. like I started getting more angry, frustrated, and more angry. Yes. Yeah. Just like what is going on. And like, there's this exasperation that started building up within me that, you know, by the end of the first half, it's just like, what is happening? Yeah. What kind of team is just showed up to, into Bloomington that we, this is not, this is like, worst case scenario and especially for us as we like you know put our hearts on the line last week with what we were looking forward to was (laughs) (laughs) you know dominance uh you know professionalism execution you know creativity uh, and and we really didn't see very much of that so like uh you know our dad always talks about managing expectations 
And that's something that we didn't do very well for ourselves. I think that's a big part of why. Hey, listen, listen, you know, <laughs> listen for a second. Hear me, hear me, hear I'm me. I'm hearing you. I'm hear listening. <laughs> Optimism at the beginning of this season is always at an all-time high. And we finished and, and 11 great. and 2. That's what's we great about preseason. We finished 11 and 2 last season. We won our bowl game. We had some dogs back. You know, we had some we had some horses come back to the, this team that that had produced on a high level last year and or at least had shown high level promise going into this year. We did not see the maturation and progression of a quarterback from last season to this first game. And we thought we were going to see that under the tutelage of what we assumed was going to be, and this is the managing expectations part, what we assumed was going to be an improved, you know, quarterback play under the tutelage of a quarterback uh, coach in our offensive coordinator, Kirk Sharaka. And we thought we would see a more creative and or imaginative um, way of implementing our weapons in the passing game and the running game. And it and and the play calling as well, we just didn't see what we had hoped to see in game one, and and unfortunately, it bit us in the butt big time. For a, I wouldn't even necessarily say Indiana was more prepared necessarily, but they definitely weren't like kicking themselves. They didn't shoot know. themselves in the foot constantly. Yeah, no, no, they did not shoot themselves in the foot constantly like we did constantly. Uh, yeah, other than that opening you know, so- drive. You know, the opening drive was, was you know, a, a clock-chewing long drive. It was 13 plays, 64 yards, seven minutes. And for a touchdown, you know, then that showed promise. Now, it wasn't like it wasn't like an incredible first drive. You know, there wasn't like these big-time plays. There was no explosive plays in it. But I was like, hey, that's the way to start off. Opening play, touchdown. Opening, yeah, sorry, opening, opening drive, touchdown. Opening drive, touchdown. I mean, just in terms of expectation – you know, I think what you're saying is there was a lot of good reason for high expectations, right? Even though we acknowledge there were a lot of unknowns, and I think you know what we saw through the game is that all of those unknowns, if they could have gone well or gone poorly, they went poorly. They did go poorly on and and basically every single turn. And the first yeah. place that 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 sort of is it going to go well or is it going to go poorly was Sean Clifford. And was he going to take the quote unquote next step? And I would say, at least as far as the Indiana game goes, he did not take the next step, did he, Tom? Um, you know, you could look at this a couple of different ways. Um, and the way we looked at it during the game while we were <laughs> furiously texting each other, yeah, um, back and forth, just utter disgust in what we were seeing, <laughs> you know, just stewing, you know, obviously, we're not the ones out there doing this and. Yeah, you know, to be clear, okay. we would have fared much worse. But, <laughs> yeah. but Sean, you, know, Clifford, you watch Sean- a guy like Justin Fields play right before him, and it just shows that comparison. And we'll get into Justin Fields later, but I'm just saying, like, this is a Division One top ten program or aspiring to be. And you know what we saw out it was of Sean not. Clifford, it was like hardly a top twenty five performance across the board. And Sean Clifford's performance, well, well, you know, he showed the ability to complete. Uh, a, a lot more passes uh, percentage-wise than he has shown uh, the, on average last year, but it wasn't like his other mistakes were so glaring, and and his inability to remain comfortable in the pocket um, 
and and his his happy feet are still there and it just he seems erratic you know he seems like yeah inconsistent he's just bouncing all over the place in the backfield trying to make plays trying to make like it just seems like he's trying to do too much on every play yeah i would say like on the positive side i mean he gained almost 120 yards on the ground and i say positive in that you know that's 120 yards that penn state desperately needed at the same time what we had talked about before the season is we need to actually see a difference from last year where Sean Clifford is running less because he did take some big hits. Yeah. Um, you know, this he's is not going to run less. We need him to stand in the pocket more and find his open receiver. And it seemed like he bailed on those open receivers way too quickly. Now, whether they were covered and he was right to run or whether he just didn't, you know, wait that extra second uh, to t- actually find that receiver and deliver a good pass. Um, and I, whatever the reason is, it was not good. It was not good that he was taking off so often um, well, in the ran, grand scheme of things. He ran the ball 17 times. 17 times. I mean, that's now, more than Saquon Barkley did in some games. Uh, and this is your quarterback who you need for the whole season, because let's be honest, like Will Levis is probably not going to lead us to the promised land. If, if, and if, if Sean Clifford can't, Will Le- Levis probably is not going to. I mean, not um, from anything I've seen. No, no. I mean, he, the one carry he had was a two-yard loss and a fumble, which was a, a crucial fumble. Yeah, and uh-huh. it was inside the ten-yard line. Like we were driving for a touchdown, and and that, like this is uh, that, that that one really irks me. Like when you put in a quarterback who has just not been in the game. And so look between our two quarterbacks, Sean Clifford and Will Levis. We turned the ball over three times. Yeah. And yeah. those uh, those three turnovers led to um, 10 points uh, for Indiana and took away at least three points for Penn State, if not seven points. So you're, right there, you're talking about a 13 to 17 point swing just on the turnovers of our quarterbacks. And none of those were forced errors. Yeah. Those were all unforced yeah. errors. Shooting of the foot or feet. Totally. I mean, think about that. Like, if Will Levis doesn't fumble that ball and we kick that We at least that get three goal, points. We at least get three we, points And we there. kick that field goal. Yeah, that's the game winner right there. If if Sean Clifford, Who makes that call to call that play? Like, is that, that's got to be Kirk, right? Or is, or is that James Franklin pulling like a classic Joe Pa where Joe Pa's like, I, I hey, this know. is the play here. And Obviously he comes in they want play call Will and it Levis. doesn't. Yeah, obviously they want Will Levis to be some sort of like Taysom Hill kind Which, of. Taysom Hill fumbles the ball, you know, because he's not in on those plays as much as Breeze is, and and they've been running that play all year and last year too, and I, you know, it doesn't always work, and it's more of a like a why'd you run it situation. Well, here's the difference between you know, I understand why you're not going to have like. 70 year old Drew Brees running the ball down on the obviously, goal line. <laughs> obviously, but you also you know, have, but you have, Alvin, I'm not trying to get into a Saints discussion here, but Alvin, why would you put Taysom yeah, Hill true. in over Alvin Kamara? Don't we have these other running backs that, that like, you know, are supposed, are supposed to be solid? Like, what, what, why, what's with the trickery? We well, were running you, the ball. You have well. the extra blocker with the quarterback carrying the ball. That's why teams do it. I mean, I get it. But Sean Clifford, obviously, is an able ball carrier. So yeah. why do you pull him out? It's a I mean, gimmick. It's a gimmick and you should be like I don't I don't 
obviously it didn't work Should out. Should rethink and... that strategy if I'm if I'm them. Like if you're already running Clifford 17 times, I mean, obviously they weren't all designed runs, but like if he's running 17 times a game and you're comfortable with him doing that, why bring in Will Levis for a play when this is your quarterback? I mean, Who's you know, obviously... It's not hindsight. Drew Brees. <laughs> Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty. Always right? will be. Um, but that seems like the risks definitely outweigh the rewards on that type of play. Yeah, you got to rethink um, that one. Unless you're splitting him out, you know, like have Clifford in there with Will Levis. That that's where I, like, I don't. I mean, I don't want to nitpick in that regard. But all, I, all I do. Say, I would like to. I am. I mean that this podcast will be like three hours long in that case, just talking about all the mistakes that were made. I got time, but <laughs> in any case, um, in any case, yeah, let's uh, get on. Let's move on to the, uh, to the, to, let's move on to the, or do we want to talk about the Sean Clifford interceptions real quick? Because, well, again, like, you know, if you take the average, I mean, and, and you told me before we got on that his, his QBR, whatever that all ESPN means. ESPN you know, QBR was 91.2. Uh, it was not bad. It was not, not bad. bad. And what was Penix's QBR? It was like in the 50s, right? 50, well, Penix was 19 of 36 for 170, 170 yards, one touchdown, one interception with a QBR of 52.9. But guess what he did? He won, he the, won game. the game. <laughs> and so on paper, you know, um, Penix was a far worse quarterback than Clifford. Um, and yeah, I, I think Clifford's uh, completion percentage was was much right. higher, although his, com- you know, yards per completion were, were I don't think very. Yeah, he wasn't throwing downfield much. He basically only had one major. He only had one major downfield pass. And that was that 60 yard bomb. To, I'd be interested to, to see his like, you know, spray chart or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of them were short passes, um, swing they passes were, to the quarterback or just going to say the it. running it was, back or it the, was Dinkin and Duncan. That's, yeah, that's, it was Dinkin and Duncan, which is why we held onto the ball for so long. Now, last year, Clifford missed a lot of those throws. And I don't, right. I don't remember him being egregiously off on any of those uh, dink and dunk kind of throws other than when he was flushed out of the pocket and, you know, tried to try to throw the screen pass. And, you know, that was the first interception. It was, it was terrible. I mean, there was, I, I don't understand what was even happening on that first interception. Listen, they both were really bad. Well, the both. second one is just like, this is what you've seen from Clifford a lot. The second one was a, an overthrow, just sort of like putting too much juice on it. You know, I don't know if it was if it was mental mistake or his fundamentals were off or mechanics or whatever, but it, he skied it over a wide open Pat Fryermuth. You know, he would yeah. that would have been a first down catch. Oh yeah, he just like put it you know five yards over his head right into the waiting arms of the safety. I'm not sure which one was worse, to be honest with you. I I, I think they both were unbelievably bad. <laughs> well, the the first one to me was worse because it was a, a panic throw. Totally. And totally he just sort of, he just sort of like whoop through and, and he was like, I'm going to throw it over the defender and get it to my, and it like literally put it, he was, you know, put it nowhere near, nowhere near. Like and I don't even think Devin Ford could, he did, couldn't even find the ball. Like it was like not timed the, properly. It wasn't even the right zip code. So, you know, the, the second one, like you see that, I think even from like, you know, professional quarterbacks, you see a throw that just goes, it sails on you and, and stuff. And it was bad. It was a bad timing and, uh, you know, bad field location. Cause they were, I think, you know, in, inside the red zone on that possession there. 
but but I think the first one was was more egregious because it was just like a total panic when he should have healer. I mean, we weren't even in a bad to... spot in the game at the time either. No, not really. Like no. we weren't and like that, oh that began the like melt began the slide into into misery that it began to melt. almost. Cl- almost clawed out of it by the end but but in the end i mean we did we did well we did we did (laughs) we'll talk about the last drive uh the last you know penn state drive the last indiana all my point is in saying that we did like we were we were put in a position to win the game like he did bring us back to the point of being able to win the game like we should have won the game even with all the mistakes that we made all the mistakes we should have won credit where credit is due clifford did have one terrific pass at oh yeah uh, near to, the to end Dotson. of the game to, to Dotson. oh my gosh i mean it was yeah that's what we were said we we had hoped for that's and we were a little to see the whole game yeah i was a little surprised that we didn't see more of the downfield passing game and again i don't know if that was on play calling i don't know if that was on clifford bailing on uh the pass plays yeah. because he didn't make the reads i don't know if that was on the o line not holding their blocks yeah, the O line definitely didn't. It, it, I don't. I, I. I'm struggling to find out which is worse. Here is the is it the progression of the offensive line isn't quite there, and it's forcing Clifford to not feel comfortable, and he then he gets his happy feet and goes. Or is it just that? Is that just who Clifford is? Is he a happy feet kind of guy? Doesn't remain calm in the pocket like dude trace was calm in the pocket and yeah, even and, as things were happening all around him totally he was always had his eyes downfield but still kept eyes on, on the, the the defenders in front of him and was you know typically able to get out and and make make moves and still make com- you know complete passes but clifford just looks like almost almost a deer in headlights like I, maybe not quite but like he gets there he, yeah, he his gets pocket there. presence as as they say uh, the pocket presence is just not, not there. really Very, there. But poor pocket awareness. Unless he has like a completely clean pocket, he doesn't seem to be able to operate very effectively. And one of two things will happen. One, he just bails on the pass play and, and takes off. Or two, he doesn't see a rusher coming and gets blown up, which I yeah. think happened at least once or twice. And he looks bad when he's getting blown up. Just going to yeah. say it. Speaking like of, I didn't even see it coming. Speaking of, yeah, exactly. Speaking of, uh, I want to just pivot here to a, um, I got a little Gathman gripe going right now. I, I think um, this whole podcast is going to be, this is, get, well, no, we're, uh, listen, I'm going to, we're going to turn the tide on this, this negativity at, at a certain point here. Cause you know, we got to shake okay. this, we got to shake this off because you know, we got Ohio state next week. So the team also has to shake this off because they got Ohio State next week. And if we want to salvage this season at all, you got to start with Ohio State. And and while it seems like an un, you know insurmountable task, is it insurmountable? Unsurmountable? What's the word? Insurmountable. That insurmountable. Would be, uh, okay, I, I must have misunderheard that back in you know <laughs> school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so I, I, let me get. I want to. I want to gripe about something here real quick. Um, Let's do it. Get the, it off your chest, man. the 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 developing of the RPO, like I mean, in the game, in the play itself, the slow developing nature of that play grinds my gears to no end. And I don't know if it's just the way that we block for it, or the way that Clifford 
uh, how long he holds on to the ball or what, but you you know the I I, I have flashbacks to Saquon Barkley. I have flashbacks to Miles Sanders. I have flashbacks to you know anytime that play gets a tackle for loss when the before the running back can even get going. It's like, do we have no way of running the ball in our offense where it's not waiting, 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 and then you make the decision to 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 run the ball with a running back or whatever? Because it seems like any defense can easily just be like, oh yeah, we're gonna get this guy in the backfield when they want to run the ball. And and even outside of that, Indiana did a great job of containing our running backs, in my opinion. You know, we never really yeah. broke any loose and we were just pounding them between the tackles and i don't even think devin ford is that kind of running back like he's to me he's the kind of guy you want to get get to the outside he's not a well, big how much dude. of the how much of the game plan was based on noah kane taking the bulk of the carries that's true i mean obviously the first four the first three out of the first sorry the three out of the first four plays of the game were noah kane running the ball and then we didn't see him again because he got injured uh, what, from what it appears to be to us because yeah. why else wouldn't he have gone back out there? And well, I think he you, was, you saw was, something. Um, yeah. He was seen on the sideline with a, with a boot after halftime. So obviously something and crutches, happened. To, right. Yeah. Yeah. Crutches and so, a boot on his left yeah, foot. So now was no that word is that what, from, is that knows. from last year? Is that, you know, is that the same foot? We got to, you know, get, is this going to be a lingering thing all season? Because here we are now down Journey Brown. Here we are now down Noah Kane. And those are our top two studs. You know? So, you know, I agree with you, though. The 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 RPO, um, as a feature of this offense, to me, feels like it, it's, not a, a, it's not a clear winner each time you run it. It's not a high – it feels like it's not a high percentage play to get you – you know, three and a half yards. Every well, let's time. not even talk about the short yardage situation. I was just speaking in general, like our short yardage situ- situation run game is atrocious. And it has been since the, well, and we saw that on the, on the um, goal line. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had third and third and short um, that, that, you know, that led to the missed field goal. The first missed field goal was a third and short. And we, we tried to run it up the gut with an RPO and three times in a row. Three times in a row. I think that was the first drive. The second drive, I don't know if it was oh, three right. times in a row right. with the short, but but um, it, you know, we we were up there and it just felt like you know we're gonna we're gonna pound this in and and we just you know we didn't have the you know whatever we're doing isn't fooling people. Certainly not. Um, I would also venture to say that you know after that did did we mention after that um. After that initial drive, what was it? We didn't do anything until um, wh- when was it? We got a we got our first points. When was that? In the in the the, the third quarter, we had a touchdown after after how, two missed field goals, um, a fumble turn. I think we I don't know if we did we turn over on downs, but we had maybe that was the end of the end of the first half. It was a turnover or not a turnover on downs, just the end of the first half. But punt you know two two punts an interception a fumble a missed field goal and then finally a, a, another t- another touchdown well Just, you know again we had five drives two interceptions i apologize we had two five drives that did not end in punts or points 
Right, dude. Good right. Lord. Two two missed field goals. And we actually had three missed field goals, but I'm 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 setting aside that, you know, Jordan Stout bomb that missed by two yards, which would have won the game for us, by the way. But I mean, I'm I'm putting that one out. Aside from that kick, we had five drives that did not end in points or punts. That means turnover or um, turn the ball over on downs, yeah. which in this case, uh, two of them were, you know, missed field goals. And they were not, they were not difficult field goals. You know, Jake, your guy, Jake Pinagar. Yeah. He was a pirate who stole six points from us in this yeah. game. Yeah. I mean. Pinagar. Pinagar. <sighs> they were not, the hold was good. You know, the snap was good. There was not undue pressure or anything like that. He just missed it. Missed more like them. more like Pinago. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so so yeah, we had some special teams. We were talking about how the special teams were going to be strength going into yeah. the season, and and they still listen. Listen, everything that we're saying were these problems. They have the ability to grow from this. This is game one. This is the COVID era. Well, it's not an excuse. It is a thing. Like yeah, they, Indiana had the same circumstances. Th- right? Exactly. I'm not saying I'm not saying that it's an excuse, but it is a thing. And 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 t- it just wasn't Penn State's day in Bloomington that day. I mean, um, literally everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Uh, yeah. So you know, we had the muff punt. We had two missed field goals. We had some other miscues uh, as well that. Um, yeah, I think we had like some false start situations. Um, yeah, hundred yards and penalties all day. Y- exactly. Yeah, that and that's James Franklin's teams. Um, once he got the ship righted after a couple of seven and six seasons, and even in those seasons, like we were not a team that shot shot ourselves in the foot. Like they were a disciplined penalty, not penalty laden team, and th- like all these things. Just this was not. This is not a James Franklin typical, you know, like it's just, I, I don't know what it was. I can't, I, I it probably, he doesn't either. Did you see the, um, the post game, uh, press conference by, by James Franklin? Did you watch it? I couldn't bear, bear to do it. I mean, I, I watched it and I've never seen James Franklin so depressed. Like it looked like he was at his grandmother's funeral. That trying sucks. to talk about football because <laughs> he because you know he was thinking about winning a big 10 title this year and winning a national title this year i guarantee yeah, you that I think, they all were thinking in the i offseason. think his expectations got shattered as well and i i think i mean watch that press conference for yourself um i think he was really shocked uh that that this is how his team performed because i think he thought well, that they were ready and they were that this was the last thing he thought would happen. I think he thought he was going to have a tough game, but I don't think he thought his team was going to uh, implode. Well, I you and then you add that onto the emotions of losing on the last play of overtime like that right. on a two point right. conversion. That by the way, can I just going to go ahead and say this Let's again? Say again, we are not um, you know uh, advocates for gambling, but this is an unprecedented thing that has happened in the gambling world, anyone who bet through the, and this is not a plug, anyone who bet through the uh, website and app DraftKings, which is a extremely prominent um, service for people that do that, they refunded all the bets for people that bet on Penn State to win. 
all those people that bet on Penn State to win got their money back because they egregious they saw the egregious miscall of that that was not a connected two point conversion that that ball hit the white line on the end or out of bounds before it hit the pylon which by the way if you look closely at that the pylon was actually closer it was like past the goal line it wasn't before, even set up properly it wasn't even set up properly. So if the if the ref is treating like that, Pylon is the touchdown god, and you just touch the ball to that. It is what all, pylons are supposed to be. But. Yes. Yeah. I no no doubt. And where it was set up was past the goal line, towards the you know the one yard line, just just enough. And that's literally the difference between the ball being out and the ball being across the goal line. Well, I mean, it looked it looked pretty clear to me that the ball had was out hit the ground White. out of bounds before it touched the pylon. That seems pretty obvious. I do understand. And if you're an Indiana fan, you look at it the opposite to say, there's no way you, it's too close. There's no way you can overturn it, which is the call stands was I the way it was announced. Yeah. I, you, I you anticipated and forth, it. And end, I, I'm just like, that, I kind of no figured that. Well, and here's the other problem, by the way, and let's get your act together. FS one or whomever, like, what is it with a thousand camera angles that we have that you can't mandate an end line camera? That's a discrepancy for every uh, that, game. That's a discrepancy for the NCAA to, to that's to, a problem. Yeah. That is a big problem. Cause it, if you're going to have replay, have an yeah. end line camera, yeah, especially in like overtime, right? Absolutely. Shooting right down the end line. Yeah. Now, now, you know, here's the big caveat to all of that, which is, it never should have come down to that play no doubt. in the we first be, place. We beat ourselves before that. But Indiana capitalized on the opportunity. We let them in the game, you know, starting in the second quarter. And then when we came back and, and retook the lead down, to, uh, we were up 21-20. We had the ball inside the 20-yard line with a minute 45 or whatever it was. It was a minute 42 when we scored that touchdown. That touchdown so, yeah, that should have never been. At the start of that been. play, it was like a minute 50 or whatever. I mean, right there. And again, now this is one of the, as, as much praise as James Franklin gets um, from, yeah, we from a lot of folks, it. including us, yeah. the one area of consistent frustration for fans and uh, for us as well is is game management decisions. Clock management and Clock game management, management, game management. and Timeout um, management. That was an issue right in that exact moment when, now, if you read between the lines from James Franklin, again, in that press conference, it seems like he felt like he was very clear that you do not score the touchdown. I don't know if that was clear to Devin Ford. And if it uh, is, at least, obviously it wasn't not clear enough because I mean, you saw him the hesitation there at the end. He's like, wait, what? Well, you know, I think like, the hesitation had less to do with the fact that maybe he was coached to go down and more to do with the fact that he was realizing in that moment that they were letting him score and he didn't yeah, realize not, not it right until he this. was after. Yeah, like, oh my gosh, why did I, was I allowed to get in here? Like, it had less to do with like, oh shoot, coach told me I shouldn't go into the end zone. At least that's the way it appeared to me. It was yeah, it's more like when your parents are like, you know, and when you're asking them, can I have my, you know, thirds on ice cream, or whatever. And they're like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. And you're like, great. Wait, what? What's the, what's like, the catch here? <laughs> something's not right about yeah, this. Yeah, I'm, supposed yeah, yeah. To, I'm supposed to have someone up against me, you know? Yeah. So I, that, that's true. But like, again, listen to the presser that James Franklin said. It was the plan was to get as much as you can get and that get down before the touchdown. That's he said what, they, he said they talked about it on the sideline. But did they talk about it 
explicitly with the running backs. And like he with took responsibility for not making it clear enough. And of course, the safe play would have been simply to take a knee. Yeah, you make them burn all their timeouts. They had one timeout left. Make them burn their timeouts. There would have been just a, you know, we would have been able to kick a field goal with just a few seconds left, um, you know, maybe 15, 20 seconds. And then then that, yeah, you're giving the ball back, but you're giving the ball back with four points. uh, Was there a way we were, we, if we had managed the clock? uh, Yeah. Okay. Hold on a second. Yeah. Here's another issue with, Mm -hmm. with, you know, the, 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 um, attempted field goal at the end of regulation that was like what 65 yards or what no 50 what was the 57 yards what was the it was like 57 or 58 yeah i think it would have tied his his record long which was 57 i think or, or yeah if the record is 58 so yeah but um before that when indiana was um trying to tie it up um we burned a timeout we burned our second timeout of the game there when we did not need to. And well, and you know, I mean, and we listen to me, listen to me. I'm if we had had if we had had those two timeouts, you know, the clock was stopped when he called that time that second timeout. The clock was stopped already. Like he just wasn't know, he I wasn't what you're saying. If we had had that second timeout, instead of going for a 57-yard field goal, we could have had another play to get a few more yards to make an easier kick. Yeah, he so called that's the timeout. another mismanagement there. He called the timeout right before Indiana ran the two point play. That's right, exactly. You know, I, I, that, to tie it to tie it. Look, I, I had that thought too. Preserve your timeout. There's time left on the clock. But at the same time, he wants to get the right plan. I get it. But guess what? They yeah. scored the two point conversion anyway. Well, so that's the gamble a, you make. The, to me, and it was let, a bad gamble. It was a bad gamble. I mean, here's the other one too that I've seen some criticism on is that you've got eight seconds left. And you could run that. That is enough time for one more pass play to sure. the boundary and but try to get enough, a few more but yards. If you're tackled and I, I listen, that and, that's, that's again, risky. That's, yeah, and then that's one where again, I don't criticize the the decision. If you had 12 seconds or 13 seconds, maybe just what they know. had to play before, right? And, and if you had that timeout, then you would have had another chance to to get another five to ten yards and make it a you know a, a yeah, 47 to field. right. Yeah. So, so anyway, um, anyway, I'm going to go, but I think obviously the, the big, big, big error, the big, big error was giving Indiana the ball back with a minute 42, uh, up only eight. And I, again, I, I said at that moment, you score the touchdown and that was obviously a whoops. Why don't you go for two then? I thought about that, but then you give them the opportunity to win in regulation and, and well, at, at work, at worst, did anyway. at worst, you can't lose in regulation yeah, if you again, just kick the, kick the extra point. So so I, I thought of that, and I'm just like, you know, you, you kick the extra point so you can't lose it here in regulation. Like, that was the right call to me. Well, all that to say, there were there were definitely some uh, game management decisions that didn't end up working out well for Penn State. So, but so, the one major obvious error was scoring that touchdown with a minute 42. I agree. And that that – that's ultimately on uh, the coaches for, you know, not managing that situation and getting their players to do the right thing in that moment. So, so we talk about, you know, Oh, Clifford hasn't progressed from a, from a, a, a red shirt sophomore QB to a red shirt junior QB the way that we thought he would, but, but where's the progression for Franklin to correct the, his own 
deficiencies that he has shown time and time again from his first season, second season on that. Now here he's trying to run. He's trying to get to the point where he can run an elite, hopefully get to the point where he's running an elite program. And he wants to get to the point where he's the first African-American head coach to, to win a national title. These are things that he has to correct from him of himself before if you'd steal your team's ability to win the game because of little mistakes like that, those are, those are big problems. And as much as as I love James Franklin and I I do, do, and I, and I do think that he's, I do think he's the right coach for this team. Um, I just, as far as these expectations go, these expectations for what kind of team we are going to have need to be curbed a little bit. If these mistakes keep popping up, well, so, look, again, we would not have been in that situation had uh, the execution of the team up to that point been much better. You know, there was a uh, 10-point swing on turnovers. There was a six-point swing on missed field goals. No, I'm sorry, a 13-point swing on turnovers um, because of Will Levis' touchdown uh, turnover took away a chance for a, a, uh, at least a field goal. So, I mean, you have 19 points that were taken off the board or given to Indiana, a 19 point swing based on miscues in execution. You know, the, the coaches put Penn state into a position to win that game without the drama. Now, again, again, that that's why I'm saying it's on a a multi-level. Yeah. It's it's complex. It's complex. Uh, If any one of those things hadn't, occurred if we had made just one of those field goals if we had gotten back one of those turnovers if if jake pinnaker only missed one field goal all of last year he already over doubled he already doubled it this this game so so it's just like a, a multifaceted you know heck if the defense would have held on that last drive which the second to last drive they really they really did they i thought that was the game ending drive you know but it, as it turns out uh, what we, they punted it back to us. We scored and then we, we kicked it off to them again. And on that drive, if the defense had held and and we've, we've talked about all the other units, we haven't really talked about the defense yet in some respects, because yeah. that was the most solid unit there was, but, but other than the second to last, uh, drive of Indiana, when, when there were two sacks, thank you, Shaka Tony, yeah. the D line was really nowhere to be seen in the passing game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you had the only other sack of the game before Shaka Tony's two sacks um, was from Joey Porter Jr. on a cornerback blitz. So, you know, the D-line got some pressures, but not meaningful disruptions that uh, that really all like it didn't none of it truly challenged the outcome of the game. Now, Panics, his numbers are not staggering, but as you stated to me earlier before the podcast began, you stated to me that a lot of the reason for his incomplete passes was because he was off the mark, not because we were challenging him and not because we were uh, getting to him or not because the D-backs were making absurd plays to... He, to... he missed a lot of wide open receivers. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that bailed us out if he had made those connections um, that, that would have, that would have kept their drives going in a lot of those cases. Now, I just want to say here, Which, you know, on the last drive, he didn't miss his receivers. All of a sudden he figured out how to complete passes and that, you know, we saw the result. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. I just want to go back here real quick of talking about James Franklin. Um, and we'll come back to the defense, but I, I, I wanted to touch on this, um, that, you know, another deficiency possibly that we're, we're seeing here with, um, with what's happening with our talent on the team. Now we obviously have one of our more talented teams, but we're missing out on these big dogs, uh, top recruits going to Ohio state over us, going to some other schools over us. I mean, specifically Ohio state, you know, are getting some of our border border recruits in terms of like the Ohio state, Pennsylvania, you know, Ohio state's coming into Pennsylvania and stealing some of our great ones. Um, but they're also robbing us from prior recruits and, and it's becoming clear and maybe we'll try, I don't know if we'll transition to, to, uh, talking about Ohio state here, but I still do want to talk about the defense, but I just, I'm, I'm, I'm called to say this right now. It's just that what would it be like if, we had been able to hang on to Justin Fields. I don't. I don't even want to think about that. It's hard. It's too depressing to think about. Because we're about to play him again, and and you know, do you know Penn State has only had one zero and two start since two thousand two? Do you realize that? Well, I mean, come on now. Let I mean, this is a different kind of season. Okay. I mean, we're you're starting right. with Listen, Indiana. I mean, we're saying, starting like, with Indiana and then Ohio State. So, you know. Look, shoulda, woulda, coulda on on. I get a lot it. I get it. But, this, but there's more. Our recruiting okay. class for next season is is in out, ranked outside, you know, the top thirty overall. Now that doesn't necessarily factor into what our overall star average is for each of those recruits that we're getting. We're not, and we're not getting a big class. But but a lot of recruits are going to Wisconsin or going to Ohio State, like big time offensive line recruit, big time wide receiver recruits are going are. are you know, shilling us over um, some of these other schools. And it's, I think it's because Franklin and this Penn state team loses games that they shouldn't due to some, some issues that, that have not been resolved um, with coaching, with coaching well, these teams. It's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like recruits say, Oh, I'm not going to win the big one at Penn state. And because those top recruits don't come to Penn state, that's part of why we can't win the big one. I, you know, I mean, I think if you give James Franklin the talent of an Ohio state team, uh, you're not going to have the kind of execution errors that we saw. So, you know, I mean, it's both, both are involved. I mean, are there, are there, is, is James Franklin getting the best out of his current players? Um, well, certainly not on Saturday, but no. in a lot of respects, I think he is, I think again, where, where he's falling short are those in-game management situations where, you know, and like we're looking at Penn State under a microscope. How many times did say, I don't know, Urban Meyer have those kinds of mismanagement errors or Dabo Sweeney or whatever? I mean, you know, every coach is making these decisions all the time and you're not going to get all of them right. Now, again, the one at the end of the game, I mean, James Franklin said their chart said, don't score. They knew they weren't supposed to score. It wasn't that he made an error in judgment. He made an error in communicating it to the team and the team didn't execute for one reason or another. So, you know, that obviously was a big, big difference in the game. And and you can see times like this throughout um, the last few seasons where one or two of those moments uh, created problems. But look, I, I think, you know, we're spiraling here a little bit. 
Okay. Yeah, we definitely are. And uh, let's get back on track with the defense. We'll wrap up the defense here. Um, and then we'll get into some silver linings, but I think so, there are some silver linings. Well, we'll, we'll get, there to are. We'll, we'll get, we're, we're going to get to them. Um, I'm ready for them. We're going to turn the tide here. Uh, but we will, before we do, where was Brandon Smith? And, yeah. you know, I, I just, I, I didn't I, see him until like the fourth quarter. So like, I know. mean, he was out there, but I don't think they were, they weren't playing him. They weren't playing him as much as, or as much as I thought. And they definitely weren't blitzing him. And, yeah, he I mean, seemed like a non-factor for the most part. He felt like a non-factor. I, did he have any? Did he have any tackles? I don't know. You'd have to look up the stat sheet. I have him right here. I have him right here. Shaka Tony had seven solo tackles, two tackles for a loss, two sacks. Joey Porter, by the way, Joey Porter Jr. had a pretty darn good game. Speaking of silver linings, yeah, and we'll get to we can get to him in the silver linings. Ellis Brooks, five total tackles. Um, and one tackle for a loss. Jaquan Brisker, uh, three total tackles, one tackle for a loss. Antonio Shelton, two total tackles, one tackle for a loss. I think and that was a sack. No, not a sack. It was it was the ball carrier. Ah, it was right, right after a hand. Right, right, right. Yep, you're right. <clears throat> and uh, Tariq Castro-Fields, five total tackles. Um, uh, yeah, and and one pass breakup. So Lamont Wade underwhelmed a little bit, I would say, in coverage. Uh, you know, he it seems like a lot of his dudes broke free, and we got a, a lucky on a bunch of them that yeah, his that, man that, got broken free. But the pass wasn't there. Yeah, uh, and I mean, there's had, at least one touchdown he, pass that that uh, you know an off-target pass you know meant it yeah. was complete. Now but, he did have Wade an interception be, that was very true. It was a great very integral of, to the games uh, to the game we were playing. <laughs> you know, it was a very important um, interception. But I'm looking at the stat sheet here and all the all the tackles that we had, and I don't I don't I don't see Brandon Smith's name up there. I didn't so hear his name called on for 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 so what where we were <laughs> what, for what we were hoping for for from him. You know, in a game that it was important for us to win, in a game that got got real tight, you know, you think your playmakers are going to come out and show that they can help turn the tide of a game. And even Jason Owe and Adisa Isaac didn't make splash plays like we hoped they would. I don't think Adisa Isaac had a sack, had a tackle at all. Well, he he did have a sack that was then reversed because it was some fa- like a phantom face. Oh, match that's right. Call, it, yeah, they, they, that was a bull crap call. And that led to them scoring eventually. It did. I mean, that would have been, I, I don't know. That remember. was a big, that I was, was on first down. I think it was on a first down play. It but doesn't matter. It been a major, major it was a 15 yard penalty, 15 yard penalty and got him going think, on that yeah. drive. And I think they were in, I think they were either at midfield or like, or, or just on our side of the field. So it was like, it put him into scoring range, you know, it gave him, Gave him the boost they they needed for it was a momentum shifting you know face mask basically. So yeah, there were some there were definitely some head scratchers on defense and some concerns on defense, including in the secondary and the linebacker play and on the D line. But there were um, some silver linings. And yeah. So let's talk about the silver linings. All right. Um, let me let we'll me start with the defense. Right. Let's start let me, with let the me defense. Sw- let me switch my my mental. You know, let me switch my mental gears here because I, you know, I, I was telling, I was telling my buddies, I got, I got my boys, you know, the couple, the, the few, few dudes, uh, two of them are Penn state grads and and another one is a Bucknell grad, but huge Penn state fans. We all grew up in Lewisburg and they're all, they're all my, some of my closest friends. And you know, the, what I was telling them that that night, you know, when we were like gr- griping about everything, I, I basically said to them, 
hey, look, guys, you know, I, I, this is the first game. This is the first game of a, of a difficult season. And I don't think I can, I don't think I can just go full bore down, you know, down the rabbit hole on hating what what's happening here. I said, I'm not going to lose all hope. We have a new offense. We have a new offensive coordinator. We have a new QB coach, which is the same as the offensive coordinator. We have a new O-line coach. We have no game changing wide receiver weapons right now. Like not, uh, you know, in terms of that reliable explosive threat on every play, Jahan Dotson had that 60 yard TD bomb. That was awesome. That was a thing of beauty, but that threat didn't feel like it was there the whole game. You know what I'm saying? The defense was definitely not a total letdown. It's tough to win a game when you have when your offense commits three turnovers. You know, yeah, that's just going to be tough for any team. And meantime, so, like if you look at Indiana's offensive score sheet, it was very underwhelming. We right. held them yeah, yeah, to yeah. Yeah. under like under 50 yards rushing. Right. right. So so I mean that's that's huge that we were able to shut down uh you know a lot of people were talking about their running back as being a game-breaking running back, and we bottled him up big time. Yeah, we did a we pretty good job of that. Penix from from scrambling, and uh, you know, other than the last play, he gained those two yards allegedly. <laughs> right, um, right. But you know, we we bottled up their ground game. Um, yeah, he uh, Penix helped us with some errant throws, but we we held him to 170 yards passing as well. Uh, we held him to a 50 you know, 50 some point QBR, whatever that means. And so, you know, our defense played the kind of game it needed to win. And, you know, up to that last minute and 40, we'd held them to 20 points. And if you go back to our score predictions, uh, I had said we would hold them, I think, to 17 or 20 points. I had a lot of faith in our defense. And I think our defense did the job they needed to do to win the game. Um, the the offensive breakdowns and the miscues were really what lost us the game. But even on the offense, oh, before we go to the offense, I just want to say um, one of the brightest lights of the day was Joey Porter Jr. Yeah, he was he was great. He was real good. He was he looked as advertised. He, like he was a starting great thing in our second. Yeah, he looked he looked good. Yeah, he looked real good. I think it's a promising thing for sure. And I think um, at one point the um, uh, announcer said that they're. Uh, Penix was throwing away from Tariq and toward Joey Porter Jr. And yeah. I mean, Joey Porter Jr. locked them down. I mean, I, th yeah. there were very few times that I think uh, completions, uh, you know, were were because of, of errant coverage on Joey Porter Jr. Sure tackler, um, you know, had that great um, sack. He was the, it was the first time we dropped them for a loss uh, for the quarterback for a quarterback sack. So he, he, he looked great out there and he gives me a lot of hope that as a, as a, I think as a redshirt freshman, um, you know, he's going to, he's going to be a great uh, uh, anchor to our defense uh, and to our secondary, which we really need. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so yeah, we, we've got um, secondary play at times is pretty good. Joy Porter jr. Is looking pretty good. Um, the defense held the, the ground game. Our time of possession was awesome. Yards gain was pretty darn good. Clifford had a decent QBR rating. We have young wide receivers that are going to get better. You know, Parker Washington and Keandre Lambert made some clutch plays. They didn't have like, you know, a crazy stat sheet, but Parker Washington's touchdown was sure-handed and we needed it then. Um, and Keandre Lambert had some crucial uh, third down conversions. Yeah, those young one, wide one, receivers yeah. looked really good. 
So we need to get these guys in the game, involved in the game plan more, obviously. And I think that we went to the to the ground game more times than we than we should have in in certain situations. And I'd like to see, you know, Clifford getting some rhythm with these receivers so that he can Absolutely. get gain confidence, and so and, and so can they equally gain their confidence as well. And I well, want to see Kirk Sharaka improve his play calling and and you know not just run this uh, you know RPO between the tackles time and time again with with Devin Ford who who may be our only serious running back threat at the moment in terms of reliability but he feels like an outside rushing kind of guy compared to between the tackles cuz the cuz Indiana did a great job bottling up our run game between the tackles you know we didn't have and, a besides gonna... besides Clifford's besides Clifford's rushing ability and and yards per carry you know, our running backs didn't have a very good yards per carry. Right. So we're, we're back. We're back to, to the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 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 So, so, so here, here's my, have all these feelings. I know, dude. It's okay. <laughs> um, here's my big silver lining on the offense. And, uh, I was shocked, especially how difficult that game was to watch. I was shocked at the yards that our offense gained and our time of possession. I yeah, did not it didn't feel, feel like that. that. It didn't feel like that. So, so silver lining and, wise, and so, that's a positive. So here's what I wanted to say about that. I think this is a window into the Kirk Sharaka offensive strategy. And I remembered seeing that at Minnesota as well. They just held onto the ball. They held yeah, onto the ball. Yeah. They made point. it hard for the other team to establish rhythm. And, and, you know, maybe that's some of what Penix was running into with all those incompletions. It was, there were lengthy droughts between the time their offense held the ball and Clifford, you need to have a a quarterback that's going to make those high percentage throws and make them regularly. And Clifford did that. So again, you take away those turnovers, you take away those missed field goals. And all of a sudden you have, you know, what might be an unsexy, but dominant offensive performance turns into a disgusting mess. And so, you know, we're maybe three or four plays away from having a solid win. Um, and here's the thing, and here's my here's my transition to talking about Ohio State. I think you have a formula for beating Ohio State where you hang on to the ball for a lot of the game if, and this is a big if, if you can efficiently end those drives with points and ideally with touchdowns and not turning the ball over. Well, obviously not turning the ball. But even if you can punt away and punt it deep, like that's better than throwing an interception on whatever yard line it is. Right. Giving, giving, giving them the ball in plus territory. So, 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 so I think, you know, you, you'll see the Kirk Sharaka, um, strategy you you can see it through the fog that there are some positive there and i think then again if you can add to what we saw some better downfield passing which you i think last year you saw it of tanner morgan right you have run 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 plod 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 boom 20 yard passing game and then it starts to feel like the dagger is starting to go in so we maybe, and this is the silver lining of it, maybe we're actually not that far away from having a pretty interesting approach to our offense this year. If the 
team can execute. Listen, they need to improve. <laughs> they need to improve. I, uh, and I'm going to, yeah. and I'm going to try and keep the faith here. And I'm going to see how they respond to a home game, home game, which again, not a whiteout, but a home game nonetheless, where Ohio state comes to town. And if they can somehow flip the script on all these errors and mistakes and deficiencies that we saw in the Indiana game. You know, you could write your ship as quickly as you saw it, you know, capsize. Absolutely. I mean, (laughs) you really can. Yes. Now, I don't care how how we, we do it. If you interrupt, you know, this little mini slide here with a beat, with a win over Ohio state, number three, Ohio state, you know, number 18 Penn state, which is how far we dropped in the rankings, the AP poll, you have a shot at flipping the script and rewriting this season entirely. So I'm going to keep the faith and I'm going to see how they respond. Look, I mean, it doesn't feel possible right now. No, it does not. The good money is on Owen too. If you beat Ohio state, all of your goals are still laid out ahead of you, right? You, you've now beat the, you know, um, assumed number one team in the big 10. Uh, so you have the inside track, assuming that Indiana is going to lose a game. Um, you, you still have the inside track to the big 10 championship. I guess Indiana would have to lose two games, wouldn't they? But nonetheless, yeah, good point. Cause they're right, in our division. They our head to head, right? <laughs> and by the way, they're ranked 17th in the AP poll now, right. just one above us. us, which I think that makes a lot of sense to be honest. I mean, if they can, if they can go, if they can go on to, you know, a good season, a ranked season, that loss doesn't look so bad. You no, know? it doesn't. And it was our first loss, which again, I think you're going to get a little bit of sympathy for, but let's say we, let's just say we do beat Ohio state. And again, that's a huge, if all of the goals are still there. So I think that, you know, Completely. in terms of, in terms of moving on from this, if you're on the Penn state football team, you, you believe. Yeah. And you, and you, you can, you can tell them, look, all of our goals are still possible. Like there's, yeah, no you didn't, you didn't just lose the whole season. Not what, not, not at all. You know, it, not yet. Yeah, it, it's a, right. It's not a, it's a crushing loss, but uh, not all is lost. Now here's the problem. Uh, Ohio state's talent is a cut above what we just saw from Indiana. For yeah. starters, for starters, Justin Fields through one incompletion, one. Yeah. And by the way, I watched that one incompletion <laughs> and it was off the hands of his receiver for a touchdown. His receiver it was a tough dropped, throw. It was a tough throw. It, his receiver it was, dropped the ball. It's true. Yeah, man. He, uh, he looked good. I'm <laughs> not going to lie. He looked real good. So and Fields is not going to help us out. In ter- that's what I'm like. Penix did in terms yeah, of we, being off our the defense will need to play the game of their lives. Here's the other problem with Justin Fields. He's impossible to take down. I mean, he's so strong. He's like a Ben Roethlisberger type. Like better. Well, I'm just saying in terms of like, you know, having rooted for the Ravens and watching them like have next to uh, impossible difficulty trying to tackle him. Even when you get to the quarterback, he somehow escapes or steps out of it. Like he, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is just real. And all you Pittsburgh fans know, he's just really, really hard to, to sack. Justin Fields looks the same way. Like you get to him 
Nebraska got to him quite a number of times, but either he ran away or he stepped out of the the the, the leg tackles or he you know stiff armed or whatever. I mean, I, I don't know if he actually was sacked maybe once or twice, but he was not sacked nearly as many times as they got to him. And so, you know, for a team in Penn State that relies on sacks to come up in uh, big situations, I, we're not going to necessarily be able to rely on that. And we have to be careful right. that in selling out uh, on the sack, we don't leave ourselves open to the kind of uh, scrambling that Sean Clifford did against Indiana, you know, where you get like 20, 30, 40 yards on the ground because you you try to go after the quarterback and you left, you know, wide open holes. Problem on the on the other side of that, if you play to contain the quarterback and you give him all all day, <laughs> he's gonna pick you apart. He will. Yeah. And then he's gonna run for 50 to 75 to maybe a hundred yards on us if we aren't able to contain him and spy on him properly when the coverage is good, but he just has all day back there to That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So our defensive line needs to step it up. Yeah, we got to have pressure from the front four. Yeah. I mean, they didn't play horrible. I'm not trying to knock on the D-line. They didn't play bad. They just just weren't the disruptive force. They just weren't the disruptive force we kind of needed in more points at more points in the game than what we saw. So they, again, you know, what did, what did we learn from Joe Paterno when we were younger? He always said that the most improvement occurred between the first and the second game. So that opportunity for improvement is there. Yeah. And the nice thing is that Ohio state isn't thinking they need that much improvement because they destroyed Nebraska. Now, I'm not sure I agree with that. I'm not sure I agree with that only because, because at the half it was only 24 to 14, like at the end of the first quarter, it was 14 to seven. You know, you're, you're sitting there as a Nebraska fan. You're, you're thinking at the end of the first and second quarters, maybe there's a chance, maybe there's a chance we can, you know, win this in the second half. So Ohio State, I guarantee you, is thinking we have to play better than that. We've got Penn State, the, the supposed only contender to us in the division. You know, the only thing in our way, which is what we've been hearing all preseason. Yeah. Everybody's been talking us up as the preseason, you know, contenders to Ohio State. They're, by the way, they're going to be uh, looking to embarrass us for that exact reason. That's Then that's my point. You know, not looking to improve. They are looking to improve. They're looking to improve to prove people wrong that anyone can threaten them. You know, like in in Nebraska, they had a a chance and a hope after the first and second quarters. No, that's not good enough for Ohio State. You know, they were disrespected by being ranked sixth at one point. They were disrespected by being ranked fifth at one point. And now they're being, you know, they're only ranked third outside of Alabama and Clemson. And like to, to Ohio State, they're like, screw that. We are even better than that. I guarantee you they're looking to make a statement against us in our own home. Yeah. So, so, so we're going so to, we got to play the game of our lives and hope that they don't. Absolutely. And not just <laughs> the game of our lives, you know, uh, you know, physically and, um, you know, strategically, but like mentally, we've got to, we've got to stay within ourselves. We got to play our game. And that's a problem. We don't really know what our game is, certainly not on, on offense right now. So again, are we going to be able to make not just sort of the normal improvement from week one to week two, but are we going to be able to, to really like take it from like the mud pit to near elite level of play? And I think that's, I think that's a tall order, but that's what is going to be required. Cause here's Let the other explain. thing here. Well, here's the other thing. Not only is Justin Fields deadly, 
I mean, deadly accurate, great decision. His receivers were getting open like all over the field too. They have a receiving core of elite wide receivers. Yes. So not only is their quarterback deadly with uh, really high quality receivers, their defense is exceptionally physical and uh, they are going to be a swarming defense. You know, those, those little three yard uh, running game gains are, are, are not going to be there this, this week. They're, you know, you know, trying to, trying to run the ball between the tackles to get three or four yards. It's going to turn into one yard or negative yards. You know, the two and a half seconds that Clifford had in the pocket before he felt like he had to scramble away is going to be like one and a half seconds. And and then again, those major gaps that he was able to run through because um, Indiana was either out of position or not so fast uh, to catch him, you know, Ohio State's not going to make those errors or they're going to have the guys with the speed to catch him before he, you know, gets to the first down marker. So, it, you know, I think their their defense is going to bring a whole new level of speed, complexity and skill. And, and, and you know, our 400, nearly 500 yards on offense is, is, is not going to come the way it did. And that's without the, making those mistakes, <laughs> you know, um, I think we're going to have a really, really tough, tough climb out of this. Uh, so um, for, for what, for what it's worth, when it comes to Ohio state's defense against Nebraska on Saturday, they had five tackles for a loss and three sacks. Penn state had six tackles for a loss and three sacks. So they didn't like, they didn't get as disruptive as they would have liked against a team like Nebraska, but that's a, just another, um, another thing that uh, their coaches are probably going to be like, Hey, you got to do better. So they're well, looking to get better there. and angrier and meaner. Right. Well, I think that does, actually give me a little bit of hope that, um, you know, a team like Nebraska uh, was not quite as disruptive, uh, quite as disrupted by Ohio State's defense as I would have expected. Yeah, their offense wasn't really, didn't do much against them. You know, they had, they had 210 rushing yards as a team against them. And, against Ohio and, uh, State? Yeah, but well, only, I mean, 85 from their quarterback, which was probably their only saving grace. Again, um, I mean, maybe I that get it. Play, you know, that's Clifford, that but play. like, do we want? It's Clifford going to get destroyed by one of these dudes? And I'll, I'll yes, say, yes, watching that, watching that Nebraska game, um, I was just waiting for Adrian Martinez to get injured in that game with the amount of times he was running him. And I know we were texting that very thing. Why he, are they like, running like, him against this defense? Why are like I don't know, like Clifford running as much as he he did? Like yeah, that's great, well and great and all, and it's very helpful. But at what cost, you know, at what cost is running him that much two games in a row? And and then this, you know, Indiana is a hard hitting defense and, you know, Ohio State's going to hit even harder. And especially since it's a rivalry game, these games are going to be hard fought, hard, yeah, hard, fought, hard hitting. It's going to be smash mouth tackling. So so in, uh, to get to uh, Ohio State's defense uh, or excuse me, getting back to Ohio State's offense their running game it's worth noting that justin fields was their leading rusher okay their two stud um their two stud running backs trey sermon and master teague the third they you know respectfully or respectively excuse me had 48 and 41 yards rushing each so you know the two of them didn't crack 100 yards and when you factor in, you know, just two touchdowns for Master Teague, none for Trey Sermon, and one for Justin Fields, it doesn't feel like like a 
a potent rushing attack yet. You know, they, they, they did have 215 yards, but again, that's against Nebraska. You would think they'd have more. Well, so what I, what I, what I found out, what I found out is both Trey Sermon and Master Teague are coming off of injury last season. So Master Teague uh, suffered a torn Achilles tendon the opening day of spring practice. Um, I think last fall, I think that was last fall. Yeah. I th- yeah. Yeah. There was no, was, I'm sorry. I, I apologize. The opening day of spring practice, he tore his Achilles tendon and, and last practice? this spring. Yes. Wow. And, and so yeah, torn Achilles, he came back from that in the, from the opening day of spring practice, which probably is helped by the fact that the season uh, didn't start on time. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that plays its role. But Trey Sermon was with Oklahoma last year. He didn't finish the 2019 season with them because he got a knee injury. Now I'm not entirely sure when last season he had that knee injury, but those, those are probably playing their role in getting those guys going. So, you know, 23 carries between the two of them, 96 total yards, including a pair of touchdown runs for Teague, not overwhelming, but maybe they need this needed to get their, you know, feet back under them in the opening game. And then maybe, you know, maybe in game two here against us, they can, they start figuring it out. Well, you could say the same for our running game, I suppose, as well. But I do think that that uh, leaves a glimmer of hope for our own defense. You know, we held Indiana on the ground to really low totals. Um, So I, I think if we can keep them from running all over us. That is obviously going to be a positive thing. The, the really difficult thing is that Justin Fields had a huge day through the air. Nothing really slowed him down or stopped him. And, and I think that's going to be really the biggest problem for us is can we find a way to disrupt Ohio State's passing game? If not, it's going to be a really, really long day. Um, or, or again, maybe if we hold on to the ball for the majority of the game, you know, we're, we're not going to be watching them, you know, uh, run up and down all, all over us all the time. Maybe we can disrupt their rhythm a little bit by hanging onto the ball. Um, but again, Justin Fields just seemed so accurate. His receivers seemed so wide open. Um, our defensive secondary is going to really have to come up with a masterful game. Uh, we're going to have to find some way to slow uh, fields and their receivers down. Yeah. Because there were times that, you know, coverages were blown against Indiana and they didn't bite us, but you know, Indiana is not Ohio state. Ohio state is going to exploit those soft coverages or those blown coverages a lot more than Indiana was able to capitalize on. And it could, it could get away from us pretty quickly if, if we don't get a lock on that. And, and if, if I'm being honest, I, I don't have a ton of faith in it. At, at this juncture, just because that was a glaring issue last season with our defensive backfield. And granted, they're not the same players th- this year as last year, but you know, it kind of looked like the opportunity for a lot more passing yards against us was left on the table for Indiana. And and again, Ohio State I agree. going to exploit that in a much more efficient manner. Now, look, you have to play the game. So the, the quarterback that looked all world last week might not look all world this week, possible. right? It's the quarterback possible. that it's looked not apples inept, to apples week to week. Yeah. The quarterback that looked inept last week might not look inept this week. So, so that would be ideal. <laughs> you got to play the game. I, I do think there's a, a, a slim pathway, a, a sliver, a slight narrow way 
that gets us to victory. And um, I, I think you know, let me sh- let me share s- some of what I think are going to be the keys to to the game uh, if we if, if we can pull it off. And then I'd love to hear yours. So number one, obvious obvious, no turnovers and uh, take the points when you can get them. So that means you've got to make your field goals, and when you're in the red zone, you've got to convert it into touchdowns. We got to be perfect on special teams. We have to like it is a phase of the game that can't be neglected and can't be can't be a, you know a, a liability like it was this past week. Yeah, no must punts, a no liability. Field goals. Yeah. Keep yeah. keep sending those kicks into the end zone. I don't think Indiana had a had a kick return that was a positive thing. So, but but you know we've got to hang on to the ball. Uh, we no. By the way, no Indiana kick returns the whole game. None. That's crazy. That, that was amazing. That's amazing. That's uh, and, awesome. <laughs> and I'll say one thing we didn't talk about. Jordan Stout on punting looked good. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I agree. I think he was pretty solid. All things considered. So uh, no pun returns. No, no pun returns. And, and, and they were, no, good I'm sorry. The there was one, one for 21 yards. I apologize. Well, now you just ruined that. I apologize. There was one for 21 yards, but of, no, of all the kicks and all the puns, it was just one for 21 yards. Yeah. So, but I say, um, you know, every drive for Penn state has got to either end in a punt or points. It's got to happen that yeah. way. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Number two, okay. So what else you got? What else? Number two, Feed me. I, I think Clifford has got to make some downfield throws early on to loosen up the Ohio state defense. I, it doesn't have to be a 60 yard bomb to, to Dotson, but you know, 10, 12, 15, heck, even just a seven yard crosser a couple times to, to loosen up their defense. Now, whether we're running to set up the pass or passing to set up the run, I'm not sure which makes a difference, but we've got to get Clifford in a rhythm with his receivers um, early on in the game if he can make some of those throws and get into a rhythm, I, I think that changes the complexion of the game because it changes the way they are able to defend us. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm just going to play off of what you said. And I, I, I think that, um, you know, we got Fryermuth involved uh, pretty, pretty well. I, I, but I don't, I still don't think we're squeezing out as much as we could from that guy. No, you know, I, I didn't I just, think he used nearly as much. I mean, just even those seam, you know, passes, it just seems like he would be a mismatch against most any linebacker. He had seven catches for 60 yards and a touchdown with a long of 16. That's great. That's yeah. that's that's pretty solid for a tight end. I, I'm I'm not trying to say that 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 wasn't like, you know, a, we didn't we we didn't neglect him. Let's put it that way. But certainly your all-American preseason <laughs> tight end it has to be feel like he's can take over a game like that's that's a great way of putting be, it he's supposed to be a first round draft pick use him like one use it's him crazy. like when he's gonna leave after this season use the heck out of him i, I like especially with a lack of like proven receiving threats out there Come and that's on a, and please, that phrase that you use taking over a game that's what you felt like brady and gronkowski could do in the in the heyday of the of the Patriots. I mean, that's what they just took. This, it was unstoppable. I mean, what's what's the Florida tight end's name? Does anyone remember? Uh, I, I'm anyone? like struggling. Uh, Kyle Pitts, I believe, is his name. This dude in his first game this season had four touch or three or four touchdown catches. He has like he's on pace for like record setting, you know, stats, and they they throw to him often and 
just it like yeah. what that's uh, what we should be seeing uh, here yeah. and you're a Kirk Sharaka you like if anything the offense should be built tailor made to get Fryermuth in uh, the position to to just pummel some of these players down the seam I, I agree so I mean whether it's to whether it's to number 87 Pat Fryermuth or whether it's to you know one of his ride receivers or whether it's to a running back out of the backfield you know, I think we need some not swing passes, but some downfield passes that will loosen up uh, the defense, cause the linebackers not to run so hard downhill uh, right out out of the gate. I think that will open up some more of those running plays, whether it's an RPO or a direct handoff or whatever it is. I think that will, I think that will, you know, give us some more options. So that's one of the keys to the game for me as well. Uh, third thing I think is. Uh, building on, and and this is going to be a tall order with the Ohio State defense, but building on time of possession. Can we get time of possession in our favor again? Which means uh, we're sustaining drives. And And if we can sustain drives, avoid three and outs, if we can go 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 yards, and then either punt or kick a field goal or, you know, Lord willing, even score a touchdown. And we can hold on to the ball, keep the ball out of Justin Fields' hand for a long period of time. Number one, that limits his opportunities to score. Because if he gets the ball in his hands, he's going to score. And so the less opportunities he has, the less of a chance the game has to, to run away from us. Because I don't think we're built to, to score a lot of points right now. Um, so just to quickly illustrate for our listeners, um, what when you say – you know, we're we're using a lot of clock, and we're we're you know consi- we're making long drives or whatever. You know, ho- holding on to the ball for a long time. Let me just go ahead and illustrate that by telling you how many tackles Indiana had as a team defensively, eighty, to compared to our team tackles of forty three. Whoa. Okay, so that's just how many more plays we ran. It's how much more we held onto the ball than them. You know, 80 team tackles versus 43 for us, you know, so take that for whatever. I mean, grain of salt. (laughs) I think we got to, right. I think we got to build on that. Uh, Again, the fewer plays that Justin Fields runs, the fewer opportunities he has to run up the score. So um, I I think, you know, if we can keep the game close, um, because we've held onto the ball, that will that will be the sort of thing that will frustrate Ohio State. That will be the sort of thing that could keep them off rhythm. Uh, that will be the sort of thing that, like Indiana was able to hang around against us, will allow us to hang around against Ohio State. How about you, Tom? Do you have any other keys to the game that you think uh, could, you know, if we are able to accomplish it, get us uh, a win next week? Well. First of all, like I said, we have only one 0-2 start since 2002, and that was um, uh, Penn State hasn't started 0-2 in Big Ten play since 2010. That was back when we dropped the first two conference games against Iowa and Illinois and went on to finish the, the season 7-6, and six, okay? <clears throat> Excuse me. Ick. But uh, yeah, my bad. <laughs> no, I was um, saying the, the – uh... The, the oh. record <laughs> yeah so we you know it was back in joe paterno during joe paterno's um 2012 season when he was unceremoniously uh removed we dropped our first two games against 
Ohio University in Virginia. So, you know, we don't show the propensity to be starting like this often. Now, again, like you said, this is a weird year. So, so I don't know if those, that history is, is, you know, going to end up proving to be for us or not, but, but it's, it's a glimmer of, of, of hope in the, the, the historical Penn state uh, season opening two games. Also, you know what we do? We rarely lose at home. Okay. Right. Since, since the 2016 season, how many games do you think we've lost at Beaver Stadium? Two. 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 We have the nation's fifth highest home winning percentage during that span, behind only Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. Oh, and, and apparently UAB. Well, they're good at home, aren't they? <laughs> According to the stats. But yeah, so home field advantage is, is obviously a real thing for us. Now, it, uh, not it, we without haven't, the whiteout. We haven't... <laughs> <laughs> we haven't played a home game like this ever, to my knowledge. I mean, I mean, certainly not in our lifetime. Um, so it'll be, it'll be unlike the last four games against Ohio State. Uh, you know, at, in Beaver Stadium, whereas we've had whiteouts against them in Beaver Stadium. So I don't know if this will end up just being the easiest win for Ohio state against us in recent memory in Beaver stadium, or if we can somehow still parlay this home field advantage to, to our, to our benefit somehow, it would be uh, to, to, to be determined of course. But, yeah. but what, what, I, what I, I think, think are the keys here for us, I think namely is Clifford's ability to improve his reads, improve his decision-making in the RPO and improve his connection percentage to Fryermuth. I mean, I just, I need to see him using him like a, like a weapon. He's a threat, man. You, you have to use your weapons and your threats. You can't just go away from him. And like, even if he's getting double teamed, like, okay, cool. If he is getting double teamed, someone else has got to be open somewhere. Yes. Why? And, and how many times did we, and how many times did we throw to our running backs? Quite a bit. Did we? Yes. But those were all swing passes out of the backfield. When, when you say quite a bit, do you mean three passes for 11 yards to Devin Ford? Is that it? Is that what you mean? Is that exactly? That? Yeah, that's 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 what Devin Ford had. Kevon Lee, if I'm saying his name correctly, had two for six yards. So what? Five passes? Five passes to our running backs. Is that, yeah, is that uh, what you see? Some, is that what you mean by quite a bit? Like more than that, but I think I think that's also because we had swing no, passes not to the end as well. Okay, one to Brenton Strange that I can think of. Okay. So one, one for one yard. And then Fryermuth, where, I mean, where, how many swing passes did Fryermuth get? So I, you know, I, what I'm trying to tell you is, first of all, swing passes, get them out of here. Okay. Like, <laughs> well, they're not they doing get, a lot for us. No, they did not. And I don't know if that's, Are, we're not great at screen passes either. We're terrible at Throw screen passes. Throw the ball down the field. Yes, please. Please. So I want to see balls being thrown down the field. I want to see Fr Pat Fryermuth you know, being utilized often. Crossing patterns, uh, seam routes, post routes, flag routes, uh, you know, where, where the, the, the receivers like cross paths and like, yeah. Confusion yeah. In the back end. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. you know, we need to have something that is going to get us yards. Um, and um, obviously those swing passes uh, and screen passes, you know, the screen pass, the one that we tried led to the turnover and the swing passes, you know, were a handful of yards each time. Now, in certain situations, maybe that was exactly what we needed. 
But that's, again, that's not going to um, blunt the teeth of Ohio State's defense. It's going to keep them coming downhill. So it's those downfield passes, yes, to Pat Frymuth and to the other wide receivers that we've really got to, uh, we got to, that's got to be an element of our game, I think, this week. You need to, you need to ha- have some play calls where, y- you know, if you're seeing that Pat Frymuth is getting double teamed, you need to create plays that highlight him getting double teamed that break Jahan's Jahan Dotson deep over the middle where Fryermuth is drawing a safety in. maybe you pump fake to Fryermuth and then you throw it deep to to Jahan Dotson I I need to see some more explosive plays here just I just that's that's going to be the key to 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 beating a team like Ohio State is explosive plays we can't just grind them down with the game plan we had with Indiana because that's just not going to cut it against a team that's going to be trying to put up serious points against us. Well, again, here's here's where I disagree with you a little bit. I mean, yes, we've got to have some explosive plays, but I do think the grinding offense in some ways is a real advantage if you can sustain drives because you keep the ball out of the hands of Justin Fields. Yeah, but we got to prove that we're able to to keep up with him too. Uh, you know, I'm not disagreeing with you on that, but um, I would add those. We got to uh, prove to ourselves uh, even like, you know, for, for we got to add positive to, reinforcement. We got to add to what we did against Indiana, not change what we did against Indiana is what I'm saying. Okay. One, one extra thing here um, that needs to be stated is uh, in the defensive game for us, we're going to be without weak side linebacker, Jesse Lucada because of a, um, Targeting. A, a targeting targeting he's going to be out for the first half of the game and, and that's a mental error i mean yeah you know and he's I mean? he he proves himself to be he you know around player. the ball and making tackles so it's 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 not an insignificant wow. you know our, our other linebackers you know ellis brooks made five i think five tackles um so he's still going to be in there but brandon smith needs to show up if if we're not going to have yeah, we're not going to have we'll, Lucada in there. We'll have a chance to see, uh, hopefully, um, what Curtis Jacobs can do. So, uh, well, well, I think Lance Dixon's ahead of him on the on the depth chart, and he did make a couple of good plays for us. He has that those. I think he had a pass breakup. He has that long body, that those those long arms, and um, so it will. He'll be called upon to to probably make some plays in coverage, and and you know. Brandon Smith will be called upon hopefully to make some splash plays to, to, to cause some disruptions. Uh, our de- but our defensive line needs to be just more, more disruptive uh, as often as possible. Our, our, our defensive ends need to get to the quarterback and while still containing. So that's the thing is you can't just like sell out for the home run sack. And then, you know, you went too wide and all, all fields does is step steps up and then either throws a completion um, or just gets away and gets out of the pocket and gains 5, 10, 15, 20 plus yards on on a broken contain play. Because, you know, we got to spy him with somebody. Is it going to be Brandon Smith? Is it going to be Lance Dixon? Is it going to be uh, Ellis Brooks? Who's going to spy? Who's going to spy him? Uh, you know, here's what it comes down to. Just as error prone as we were this past week, we've got to play equally perfect this coming week. We've got to play a virtually perfect game in every phase. And even then we might not be able to pull off the win, but that takes us. We're not going to talk. We're not going to talk about the what ifs in that situation. We're just going to deal with what it's going to take to win. In my opinion, 
Yes, because that's what so, that's what that's what the team's dealing with. What are, what is it going to take to win this week? Because that is it's all that take matters. A perfect Winning game. this week, it's going to take a perfect game, controlling everything that they can control, and doing it without errors. It's now, hard to record this on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, but it, but it's better than recording right after the game because if we had been talking about all this stuff right after the game, man, we probably would have sounded even uh, worse. Been so and I don't like sounding bad about this team. I, I I believe in in the abilities of of these players. Yes, I do believe the that they, they have are there. The ingredients yeah. are still there. Uh, they'll and let me say they'll show us something. They'll show themselves something. They'll show the nation something if they can turn it around and make a game of it against Ohio State. Uh, and I think that's still possible. I think that's what I think that's what we're hoping for. Um, but yeah, I've noticed uh, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, laughter on this podcast. No, no, no. It was like fake in, laughter. Just add a laugh track. <laughs> add a laugh track. Just add yeah. a laugh track. It, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> Seinfeld laugh track. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, some Seinfeld laugh track. So, so what's the deal with all these interceptions? Speaking of speaking of <laughs> funny, uh, our game predictions last week were laughable. Uh, but let's, um, let's. I was closer yeah. with the Indiana score. Yes, you sure were. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's let's get a prediction uh, for this week. Yeah, we we. we oh man, I have lower. not even thought of this. <laughs> I have not like you talking about. I tried to make you do this stuff last week or whatever. I mean, what's it going to be? The pessimist or the optimist? Oh my gosh! What's it gonna be? I I mean I I don't even know where to begin, dude. I don't understand. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna shake it off. Twenty eight to twenty seven. Penn State wins. Oh wow. Oh, on man. a blown on a blown two point conversion for Ohio State to try and win it, and that's how we win. <laughs> oh man, I would we win on a, blown, on a on an almost identical play. Poetic justice. So now but you're in, not but even in regulation. Now you're regulation. not into predictions. You're into uh, prognostications. I'm just crossing my fingers so hard right now. I in my eyes, my eyes, my fingers, my legs, everything's crossed. A couple of my beard hairs. <laughs> um. I, okay. What about you, Andy? <laughs> Yeah, um, this is a setting, uh, a managing expectations call. Oh, man. <laughs> but the money is I, on I a, a, a steamrolled loss by Penn I, State. I, I'm, I'm thinking that it's going to be the same score prediction that I gave last week, uh, forty-five to seventeen. But the but Ohio State. Yeah. Now here's the thing, I I think that Penn State will look better at times. But I, I just think it's such. They're a more tall, polished. I think it's such a tall order, and um, I think it's such a tall order. I, I just, I, I think, I think it's we. It's such a tall order to be an optimist for this game. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it really is. <laughs> but it, I was a real it's tall a, order. Such a tall order for this team to put all of the pieces together the way they need to be put together. That put it this way the the schedule favored favors ohio state here and that they get penn state a happy valley without a crowd and then they can run the table after this all the way to michigan and by the way I think that by the way 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 mm -hmm. by the way 
Do you realize that after we lost, they still declared that college game day was coming to Happy Valley? You want to know why? Because to see Ohio State play at the beginning part of the season so that they can get, you know, interest nationally generated in this team so they can be on a national primetime, you know, platform to humiliate somebody so they can they can just drive the college football playoff right into their laps until the game because 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 they'll they'll take college game day to the game that week and and that would that would have been the only college game day that they would have been able to be on and that would have been the last week of the regular season so they needed to do this for ohio state essentially so this plays into ohio state's favor that you know all the pressure and stress is on penn state to perform on a national national stage after a game like they just had second game of the season. Hey, opportunities right there. Opportunity Opportunity is is knocking on your doorstep. As Franklin says. So, you you know, my score prediction is, is not without the, the, you're going to give a second score prediction. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm just saying it's it's not what I don't, I'm not hating on this team. I just, I'm trying to be realistic about what is likely to happen. But I, I do think that that there are is a there is a narrow path to victory. There absolutely is. But I, I also feel like for myself and for the Penn State fan base, we need to be realistic and and just sort of get ourselves gauged for an 0-2 start and and that the real build for the rest of the season happens after Ohio State. And you Listen. sort of you get you, you cleanse the palate and you go after it after that. That's what I think you got to do. Listen, if it turns out that way. Listen, I'm listening. Okay, thank you. Gosh, being a little brother so hard sometimes. So <laughs> it is the second full moon of the year, or excuse me, pardon me, the second full moon of the month, the blue moon. Okay. No, we didn't. Now, really now, don't that in, did we? Don't strange things tend to happen on a full moon, and don't oh. strange things tend to happen on All Hallows Eve. It's a Halloween blue moon. So okay. So factoring those things into my score prediction, that's why I'm calling it the way I'm calling it. I'm not. But as as you hating on your call, please, please excuse me, excuse me, You're please. Excused. I'd like to finish my thought. Thank you. I don't ever interrupt you. <laughs> um, Very true. Very true. So side note, my, my best friend Cody said that he was going to listen to my podcast and he was going to only listen to it for as long as I wasn't interrupting my brother. He said after 10 interruptions, he was going to turn it off. And that was in episode one. So in episode one, he made it eight minutes and 30 seconds before he had to turn it off because I interrupted him more than 10 times in that time period. However, to to your point, the narrowest margins of victory on a full moon. Now, you know, given the moon and narrow margins, would you say that we would need an Apollo 13-like chance of making it back to planet Earth for beating Ohio State? (laughs) Yes, I think that's... We need an Apollo 13 type. We need an Apollo 13. We just need to get back mission. home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because otherwise this team is dead. <laughs> yeah. The O2 tanks were stirred. Oh. They blew. <laughs> Seriously, know? something blew. That's what happened against Indiana. Now we need to make it back. 
with to Earth, and you only have what you see on there. That feels that way too, because like, right? You know, Journey Brown is gone. <laughs> Noah Kane's sounds Dude, like maybe he's gone. We have everything going wrong right now. Michael Parsons is and, gone. But, but can can these can these this team of of players and coaches get the duct tape out and fix this thing? Just enough to squeak by Ohio State and land safely at the end of Saturday. It's, it is an Apollo 13 mission. That's exactly what Do you it like is. that. I just came up with that like on it. the fly like right it. now. I was going to call this. Feels good. I was going to call this episode Misery Loves Company, but maybe we need to talk, you know, call Apollo 13. Yeah. Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Houston, we have a problem. I'm not even trying to talk about Bill O'Brien at the Houston Texans. <laughs> Oh man, I think we've talked this out, man. I think we've yeah, talked it we, out. I like where we're a lot ending. longer than we thought. I like, yeah, I like where we're ending. Um, you like so, where you're, we're uh, ending with your prediction that we're going to lose forty-five to seventeen? Oh, okay. I, My I like prediction the, has us winning. <laughs> I, I like the I like the Apollo thirteen analogy. Just imagine I like if the, we win, as I've laid it out, <laughs> we win by dis- them turning not, disaster not, into yeah. uh, into a success, a successful landing. If we can bring. Uh, bring these guys in for a landing at the end of the game, uh, having righted the ship, it'll be a huge success. And um, the sky will be, the sky's the limit if we do. Um, you know, like in outer space. Yes. Like, like in NASA stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, All right. Well, hey, do you have a sign up you'd like to do? It always starts with I love you. And it ends with I love you. We love you, Lions. We think you can do it. I mean, I think we can do it. I don't know if my brother thinks it, but I think it. Apollo 13. (laughs) Narrow narrow margin. (laughs) We shall shall see. Uh, That's why you got to play the games. Uh, Listen, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, Hey, email us at blueandwhitebrothers uh, at gmail.com. That's blueandwhitebrothers.com at gmail.com, all spelled out. If you'd like to be in touch, feel free to tell us your gripes, uh, send us your questions, suggestions for the show, uh, anything you want to say, send us an email or direct message us uh, via Facebook or Instagram. Instagram. Uh, Blue and White Brothers is, uh, you'll find us uh, searching under that name. Um, Next week, uh, we'll be doing uh, uh, Ohio State Recap. Uh, talking yep. about the amazing ending where uh, we we held them a two point conversion to win the game apparently, and we'll talk about what that means <laughs> for the rest <laughs> of the season. Uh, until then, uh, guys, thanks for joining us, and uh, see you Saturday. Fingers crossed. Keep your fingers crossed. <laughs> keep your eyes crossed. Keep your beard hair crossed. <laughs> cross your legs. Cross your T's. Anything to help us win this game this Saturday. Prime time. ABC. Kirk. Herb Street and Chris Fowler on ABC at 7.30 Eastern so, Standard Time. Uh, <laughs> tune in and we'll have lots to talk about next week. Until then, take care. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 